0: Welcome everyone to episode 7 of the Beyond Our Sidelines podcast. Uh, Today I'll be joined by Mads Andreasen from the Norwegian Olympic and Paralympic Committee and Confederation of Sports, where among many responsibilities, he works as part of the team that is responsible for the formation and implementation of the widely regarded children's rights in sport and provisions on children's sports policy, uh, which has helped guide child and youth sports in Norway. Um, Today we'll have a, a wonderful conversation about how they develop the policy how it's used and why it's needed, uh, as well as talk about what we can learn from the way that they engage the community uh, and how they provide access to sport. Uh, So I'm incredibly excited to welcome Mads and and, and learn from his experience and knowledge uh, and learn from the positive perspective that Norway has developed when it comes to youth sports in their country. Uh, So please enjoy as uh, Mads and I dive right in. So Mads, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on on the podcast, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to kind of sit down and chat with me, and um, I'm really excited to learn uh, about you and your work, and and hear more about kind of youth sports in, in Norway and the model um, that that you all have adopted, and um, you know really for for my audience and for audiences here to be able to kind of learn from from what you all are doing. Um, so to kind of start, I'd love if you you know ha- could just introduce yourself a little bit and you know what is your role at the at the Norwegian Sports Confederation. What it, what is the thing that you're you're involved with? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, my name is uh, Mats Andresen. Uh, I'm head of something called the uh, sport. Uh, uh, what would I call it? Uh, activity <laughs> development, uh, probably. Um, head of the activity development department. Uh, working with children and youth sport uh, inclusion, uh, also sport for people with disabilities. What we in Norway call para sports,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also a lot of around the, the ethical and the social sides of, of sports. Um, the Norwegian Olympic uh, Paralympic Committee and Confederation of Sports is is a organization compiled by all those three, uh, which means we we have to fill a lot of different roles, uh, all from from children's sports starting off, but up to elite level and everything in between. Uh, we also have the Olympic and Paralympic and Special Olympic uh, part of uh, of sport uh, included in the same organization uh, here in Norway. Yeah.
0: So you're, uh, you're so you're saying that you're you're busy.
1: Uh, well, of course I'm, I'm not responsible for everything. No. But, uh, the strength about it is being one organization, is especially working politically and trying also to put a framework on how. How sports should be built, uh, as we're going to talk about today, from, from children's sport to elite sport. You can have uh, common ge- guidelines that includes all sport in Norway and, and not have everybody work on their own or develop in their own ways, but, but try to to compile and find out what's the be- best way of taking care of our children and youth, especially.
0: Wonderful, yeah. And so I'm really excited to, to dive in. And so a big part of that is the, the, the children's rights in sport and provisions on children's sports. Um, so how, how did that come about? What is that and what, how did it come about? Um, I know it was, it was uh, implemented or developed in, in 2007, I believe, and then revised uh, somewhat recently. Um, but what yeah. is that and how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I can give you a, a brief history. Uh, they go back way further than that as well. Uh, in 1976, actually, we got the first guidelines for children's sport. Uh, they were uh, going up to the age of 16 years old, uh, and the reason we, we see there why they put them into place was to to try and and stop over ambitious parents uh, organizing their children in a way that harmed the children. Right? Uh, uh, they saw that the, the children's sport in itself had an had its own intrinsic intrinsic value, and it, the most important part of it was that children could enjoy taking part in activity there and then. And not with a future target of being elite athletes. Uh, the challenge with the, these guidelines was that they were actually that, they were guidelines, uh, which meant uh, very few were following them and they were kind of a like a, a be careful poster mm-hmm. uh, more than uh, rules and provisions. So in 1987 we got the first provisions of uh, children's sports and the, the provisions are uh, a way of organize, uh, there, there are actually rules on how uh, we organize children's sport. How far can you travel to compete? At what time do you start with result lists uh, at one uh, rankings? What, what time do you start with uh, international competitions? How should there be given prizes, for example? Uh, and in a way that it's, it's, uh, it's built just like in school. You start in first grade, you start at the lowest level of the stairs, and then you develop and have a natural development from there. Uh, up to youth sport, so don't start from day one with just saying we organize it in just the same way as we do with the adult sport uh, and think that that's suitable for children. They have to learn sport, they have to learn how to um, uh, h- how to refer to other children. What does it mean to have a coach? Right. Uh, what does it mean that the coach tells us something we should do? How do you socialize and how do you interact with the other children? What does it mean to stand in a queue? Uh, what does it mean to do drills, uh, how do you compete, what, what kind of rules uh, comes into when you're starting to compete and you have to develop this at, at the maturity level of the children and make sure that the children are in center of how do you develop it. Right. Uh, so that's why the, the provisions came along uh, and they were sort of a help of trying to build on what was a, a traditional Norwegian model of organizing children's sport where you do uh, winter sports in winter, summer sports in summer, and you can do several sports at the same time. Uh, you do it in different environments, some are outside, some are inside the sport facility, uh, and you try to, to develop that. But it was also, of course, a rational that saw that we can't organize a, le- uh, a children's sport uh, uh, in a way that means we're losing out a lot of children. Uh, because what you saw was that if you specialize early, you also get uh, the quit early. Right. And they saw that early specialization was uh, demanding a lot of resources. In coaches, in paid coaches for example, in how many training hours you have. And all this wasn't suitable for the way we were organizing children's sport and suitable for the resources you had. So there were several reasons for organizing it in a way.
0: You know, so it came out of a need, it came out of, of yeah. something that, that the country was seeing and saying, "This we it's need to do it differently. The, I
1: mean, the value of how we want to organize children's sport, and, and I would say that this can suit in all, in all countries. And we're very careful when we travel around talking about this, because you have to understand it in a cultural context. Right. It doesn't fit in everywhere. Uh, you have to kind of find a way that suits the country you're in, or the culture you're in, or the sport you're in, even. Uh, to see what kind of values you can pull out of this but for us it was necessary and I think it it was built on the way I mean children are looked upon in society here Uh, where we also in schools for example you don't have grades until your youth Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't have talent classes schools for everybody and you try to kind of make sure that everybody is included
0: Right. So it fits a model that was already already existing, um, just in a different space, and now is translated mirroring to Mirroring the
1: society, I would say.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's an important point, I think, because—and um, that's one of the things that I've read and I've heard um, a conversation around, you know, can this type of policy be implemented somewhere like in the U.S.? Um, and I think it's important to understand that the the context and the you know the cultures are different. Uh, you know the size of the country is different. There's a lot of different factors that go into you know implementing a, a very specific policy on on children's sports that would be similar to what Norway does. But um, as I think what we'll get into later. But like you know there's lessons to be learned from from what you yeah. all are doing. Um, but I think the, the the basic premise of of kind of the the children's right in sports is to to make sports available for all kids, right? And the in the goal of sports in general, as we're as kids are progressing through their their development, um, is to have fun. Um, and kids develop, and I think you you alluded to it, but kids develop at different different levels like not all kids develop the same different rates um so what you're doing for uh, an 18 year old you know needs to be different than what you're doing for an eight year old and uh, what an adult is doing is not necessarily going to be a positive thing for 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 a child um but i read that over 90 percent of youth in norway play organized sports um yeah if that's a correct number which is which is amazing um <laughs> that means that the majority of kids are accessing the physical benefits of sports that we know that everyone kind of understands um okay. but but more importantly they're they're accessing the kind of the social and the emotional and the the cognitive benefits and that's that's incredible so uh, are those numbers accurate and and what do you think has led to to that kind of success because that's a that's that's a very large number
1: yeah it is um well, what we've seen is that, that being part of, of sport in Norway is, uh, is normal. I would say uh, the, the deviation from normal is not taking part of sport. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a, cr- a cross control research that, that, that looks into this. This is not uh, our own numbers, uh, but they're asking youth between 14 and 19, have you participated in a sporting club uh, as children? And 93% says yes. And this has developed from from 85% only 10 years ago uh, so it's uh, it's uh, it's developed in a positive way as well and even more importantly we see that if you ask the same youth are you taking part in youth sport which is in Norway between 13 and 19, uh, 75% has also taken part in youth sport which means many of them take part in sport for a long time mm-hmm. uh, and then we, of course, see that when you come up to youth sport, which we probably talk about later, we see, of course, a bigger dropout, uh, and that's 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 when the, the the provisions and the way we organize children's sports also uh, stops being so uh, uh, adapted to, to children and uh, goes into being being more serious, being more uh, talent uh, searching, uh, tougher trainings, tougher right. competitions, uh, and of course several. Uh, uh, take part in fewer sports than uh, when they were
0: children. Right, but the, but then the hope is that the lessons learned from from a young age through 18, 19, whenever you know, they might be not considered a, a youth athlete, those, that those lessons last uh, a lifetime. Right,
1: yeah. And, and that's important because what we've seen is that um, the, for each year you participate in organized sport, the chance increases that you will continue to be physically active after quitting organized sport because you you gain uh, competence and you gain uh, a passion for for being physically active it becomes a habit for you so so if you if you learn cross country skiing technique for 15 years uh, it's a very high chance you'll continue to do cross country skiing after you quit organized sport so in 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 the eyes of public health uh, government the most important perspective is to try and keep them in organized sports as long as possible because it increases their uh, competence and, and value of being physically active also after they quit organized sport.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know personally I... Uh, almost everything that I... All lessons that I've learned are the things that I, I think are, are core parts of of, of m- myself. A lot of them I learned through playing sports in, in some fashion whether it was communication or, you know, how to work with, with teammates or, um, you know, the, the being able to manage my time. Um, but then also building that foundation of, uh, a healthy lifestyle and building kind of physical activity and, uh, into, you know, my daily, my daily life. And that has continued through, through adulthood. Um, and I think you're, that's exactly correct. It's building that foundation and, uh, making sure kids understand the, the value of, of being, um, you know, physically active. Um, and, and so do you think, so in the, in the policy, I know, um, you know, it's, it's no game scores, you know, standings, uh, or player rankings are, are not permitted to be published for kids under a certain age. I think it's 11. Um, yeah. and there's no national championships, uh, for kids under 13. Um, I know you said it mirrors kind of the other elements of, of Norwegian society, but it wouldn't, specifically for sports, why, why, what have you found the benefit of, of that kind of system? Because um, it definitely differs uh, from what okay. we do here in the U.S. Um,
1: in the most countries, probably. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, the main target of is is trying to make it less serious, to make it playful, to make it uh, less stressful, to, make, uh, uh, to try and avoid talent identification, for example. Because if you remove results and the coach stops focusing on the result but start focusing on uh, each player's development, then all players can play. Uh, You don't start selecting groups that are selected on on talent. Uh, You keep the social network, for example. This is very common to be kind of your school class together. For example, all the boys or all the girls in the same team in the school class. And it it kind of enhances uh, that social network as well and uh, then starting to, to divide them after talent. Um, uh, but I think, I think the most important part of it is letting children being children and not thinking that we have to make a uh, uh, children's sport equal to an uh, adult sport because children interact in different ways and it, this doesn't uh, it doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, uh, children avoiding competing because children compete in everything. every day, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids are uh, three and six, they compete who gets to the car, who eats the candy first, they measure who gets more more candy. Uh, I mean, they compete in everything and they will do that when they play together as well. But immediately when it starts being important for adults, what the result is, it adds on a different factor, which means Adults are seeing me or parents are thinking that I'm more valuable or less valuable. The coach is seeing me as a good player or a bad player. It, it brings on all different uh, things that affects the, affects the motivation and it affects the seriousness in the children's uh, sporting uh, experience. And what we want is that for them to be playful. We want them to try new things. We want them to try things they don't know how to do. Right. And if you're always looking for talents, they will always seek the most safe uh, possibilities, you will see the best players that are always praised for being talents, they will, they will always try to avoid uh, uh, breaching with that image. Mm-hmm. So they won't take on harder challenges, they will do the easy challenge where they can show up their skills, they will maybe uh, challenge uh, the, the weakest players because they know they can win, I mean they will never t- take on new challenges as well. So there's so many reasons that we see in research as well. That it doesn't make sense to organize uh, children's sport in a so competitive way. Uh, so, trying to to let children be children, organizing it in a way that they can learn safely each step of what it means to be take part in sport, what it makes uh, to to take part in in the competitions, and how you interact with others that are doing your sport, uh, is a way of kind of structuring that, I would say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Letting kids be kids, man. That's like that's such yeah. an important thing. And, and
1: it's that easy. I mean, that's that's usually the discussion you get into when you get into a sport club. And and I wouldn't say that these provisions and rights comes without resistance because we will always experience people that want to take their children at the age of six, probably, go to China to compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you will always get those parents. But if you try to structure it, what do you think? your kids uh, motivation is for doing sport what is your motivation of involving kids your kid in sport they would very rarely say that it's because we want them to win competitions they would say it's because they want to have fun they want to socialize with others uh, keep friends stay healthy that would be their motivation and then you start asking so why are you so concerned with results then uh, right and that's when you try to get people to to kind of understand okay why let's let's see from the kids side Put the kid in the in uh, f- focus in in the middle and and see what do you think will be best for the kid, not for the club, not for elite sport, uh, not for the nation in the future, but for that kid right, right now, right here. What do you think is best for that?
0: And, and I mean, we see we've seen a recent uh, a Olympic uh, games like that hasn't um, precluded uh, Norway from being successful on an elite stage on a on a really high level. Um, have you, found, have you found kind of through that this system of, of focusing on the you know the kids having a say in what they do but not focusing on the competitiveness of it all um, and just letting kids be kids? Have you found resistance to, to that within Norway from or, or has there really been high buy-in to this idea of like we're gonna have this system that focuses on the on the kids and, and letting them develop in, in the way that Uh, naturally happens
1: we will always find resistance and you would think the resistance is big because those are the ones with the loudest voices Mm -hmm. Uh, those are the ones that say I have a talented kid why shouldn't uh, he wants to do it why shouldn't it be allowed for me to travel around him doing tennis matches all over the world at 10 he wants it I want it he wants to be the best in the world Uh, why can't we do that? Everybody else is doing that. We are organizing. We are the weird ones here in Norway who organize in this way. So there's definitely a resistance, but I would say that the sport organization altogether, all the federations, the sport federations, are quite loyal and understanding and wanting this kind of structure because they see that this way of organizing it also brings results later. Mm -hmm. But it's not... The reason we're doing it like this is not the elite sport but elite sport is a consequence of doing good uh, children in youth sport and and uh, you asked a question in the email here around uh, where, where our former general secretary said we, we, we don't have a we can't afford to lose any kids on the way mm-hmm. and there's several reasons to that of course and and later elite sport is one of those reasonings as, as well because we know that if we only keep talents they have no one to compete with uh, we know the social aspect when their friends start stops uh, stops playing we know that the chances that they continue is 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 less likely mm-hmm. uh, we see that you can't identify these talents at the age of nine 10 11 and say this is the one going to be the hugest talent in the future this is the future Matsucarello uh, because those those kids don't they don't develop they don't pop up until maybe they're 15 16 and we know that they've worked hardest because they've always been the smallest i mean Succarella is one of those uh, those kids he's always been talented but it was a small hockey player who would think he would get go, get to the nhl uh, but, but by being kind of a small hockey player he, he struggled this way he worked harder he was very motivated and then later become a talent and, and a good athlete so
0: right
1: that, that Uncertainty and we, we can't guess who's going to be the next uh, best cross-country cross skier, for example. Right. It's very hard. So we see that in several, especially, of course, it uh, differs between sports, but especially in these sports where you can combine with several sports, for example, uh, a cross-country ski, many of them don't specialize until they're 15, 16 years old. Uh, they would be probably playing football or doing something else besides. Uh, and that kind of both does well for their physical development, because they're less uh, affected by injuries and, and such. But and we also see it very help, helpful and healthy for their motivation. Because many of youth quit because it gets too serious, it's too um, uh, monologue, and know, what you say, but it's too... Uh, monotone. right right uh, it gets, it's the same the thing same all the time think every day you're right. meeting at the same facility you're doing the same exercises over and over and over again and at one point you get tired
0: of it right absolutely so do you guys find then that, that there's more um, you know through the implementation of this probably there's more sport uh, there's more diverse participation in sports versus specializing you find that to be to be true
1: yeah it does, and um, we see that several takes, take part in sport, both uh, when they're children, uh, but also when, uh, when they're youth and when it starts to specialise. But this is something we have to constantly work on, because we have to, to, to inform clubs, inform coaches, inform parents that it's okay and it's even, uh, it's even uh, wishful to, to let the youth choose themselves. If they want to participate in two sports, let's not put up barriers that say you can only part- If you want to be a hockey player, you have to come to every hockey practice all year round. You can't do anything else. It kills motivation and, and we take away, I mean, it's voluntary to take part in sports. And it's also very voluntary to quit. Right. So, so the less they get to kind of control and decide over their own sport, the less likely it is that they continue.
0: Right. And, and that, you know, as you said, like, you know, a, 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 a child who is eight years old, you know, uh, who is being told you know, maybe by parents or by by whatever, um, hey, this is your sport. This is what you're going to play. You know, they're they're eight years old. How can they how can we know that? How can they how can they know that as 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 children? Uh, and so getting to play in, in multiple different sports develops their overall skill set and their overall uh, ability and they complement each other and and we we know that through research we've we've and, and you talk to you hear professional athletes for example talk about you know oh I you know I played soccer and it really helped with my footwork and, and but I'm a basketball player I'm you know I play football but I played soccer and it really helped with my footwork and and there, there's a reason why the research shows that that playing multiple sports is beneficial in in the long run and for the development of of athletes over maybe what specialization can do although you know I mean specialization you can you specialize and you can become really good at that sport but the the rates of dropout the rates of of attrition for someone who plays tennis for 18 years of their life before they're an adult you know are are are, are pretty high um yeah. And so it's I so mean, you, can, you, can, you can cook
1: spaghetti bolognese every day, and you'll be great at uh, cooking <laughs> spaghetti bolognese. Right. But you won't be a great cook.
0: Right. Exactly. Like a chef. Right. You can't make uh, boil an egg or make eggs Benedict or something yeah. because you just know how to make.
1: You'll be an expert.
0: Right. Right.
1: But immediately, if someone comes up with a new recipe, you're gone. <laughs> right. You've not tried anything else.
0: And eventually, you might just grow to not like spaghetti bolognese. You know. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: um, but so if ninety percent of the kids are playing, and obviously I'm sure the goal is to get to you know a hundred percent, all the kids playing, um, if possible. I know that's a, that's that's difficult, but and ninety percent is a, is an amazing rate. And I know you know that that rate is not true here in the U.S. You know we, we have you know we face a lot of challenges to to access to participation and in our system of of youth development that focuses a lot on kind of the economic business side of youth sports and also the competitive side of, of youth sports. Uh, it creates a lot of gaps in participation and makes it so that not all kids have access to sports. Um, but it also then creates a scenario where a lot of kids drop out by the time they're they're 13 years old. I mean, I think 60-70% of kids by the time they're 13 years old are no longer playing sports. Um, and that's problematic as we've as we've talked about, for their long-term development or just as their human development. Um, What are the the dropout, like, what are the rates of of kids not playing in in Norway through, you know, this kind of policy and system? Yeah, um, well... (laughs) What, uh, what,
1: start? Let me just say, take one uh, one aspect as well, because you talked about schools here. Uh, I think that one important aspect of, of our high, high participation is that we don't have school sports at all here. Uh, really? Sports are not organized in schools. Interesting. Uh, you have physical education, of course, uh, but all sports are uh, organized through uh, the sporting organization which means everybody's doing sport in the sport clubs after school or in the afternoon or evening. Uh, so, so that of course uh, also uh, explains why the rates are so high. Um, the dropouts rates are there, definitely. Uh, we see that, uh, first of all, we have 93% among children who has been part of a children's sport. 75% have been part of a youth sport team or uh, club. Um, and it's around uh, being active. I think uh, at the start, uh, at the start of um, of uh, your youth sport, it's sixty-five percent who's actively participating in the, at the age of thirteen, uh, and then there's around thirty percent when they're nineteen. Mm-hmm. So when 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 youth sport stops, but it's uh, at the age from thirteen to sixteen, it's quite high. Uh, but when you come up to uh, what you call is high school, from seventeen to nineteen, right? Uh, that's when we see a biggest the biggest dropout rate, and then they come back when they're becoming adults again. But we see that when when uh, the academic uh, focus uh, kicks in, uh, and also uh, a lot of them, I mean, when you become seventeen to nineteen, most of those who play sports are on their way either into kind of uh, pre elite sport. At least a sport where you have to put a lot of effort and a lot of time in to, to just keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lot of dropouts, uh, definitely.
0: And do you, I mean, do you have you guys, Is there been research or been, um, you know, information as to what is exactly causing that dropout? You know, maybe aside from, from transitioning to maybe an uh, elite yeah. sport or to academics or something else?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, we divide it into two categories. Uh, there's dropouts and burnouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dropouts are those that, that choose to do something else. Uh, I mean, they become youth, they've probably been doing sports since there were uh, at least six, many of them maybe four. Uh, so they've been doing the activity for a long time and they might find other interests which is of course impossible for us involved in sport to believe, mm-hmm. uh, but they might gain other interests. It could be getting boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, making more time at school, uh, finding other activities that are not within sport. And, and that part of, of, uh, of dropout is kind of explainable and acceptable. Right. The other part of it is the burnout part, which means they're either not finding an activity who's adapted for their interests for example, they don't want to use. Uh, they they won't, don't practice five times a week. They only want to practice one time in a week, or they want to compete at the lower level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a typical dropout. Uh, their friends are quitting. Uh, we see that um, uh, when they specialize early, especially injuries. Of course, um, there could be financial reasons. And all these reasons within the burnout category is problematic because that says something about that the, the, the sport organized in the sport clubs is not good enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There should at least be a choice of participating if you want to. We, we don't want the drop out that is caused by lack of uh, activity, right? Uh, so to speak. But it is much more difficult. And this is where our probably one of our main focuses is, is how do we keep those who just want to be part of it, to, to say it easy, just for fun. I mean elite athletes want to have fun as well but those that n- not necessarily want to compete they want to train less but we see that it's much more difficult to, for example to get parents to uh, volunteer as coaches
0: right
1: to help organize the activity it's harder to get into sport facilities who's a of course limited uh, asset right uh, it's uh, more difficult with equipment It can be more costly because it becomes youth there's several of uh, several reasons where it, we see why they drop out, and um, and it's much more uh, difficult but important to keep this group. But this is a where we don't really I, I wouldn't say we have a good solution. Uh, right. So the work the in progress. Is way too big.
0: Right. Right. It's a big. I mean that's a, I mean that the, that recreational sport side, which is, yeah. which in 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 all honesty, I think you know we, we know around the world, the percentage of of. Um, young athletes who become professional athletes or elite athletes are, are, it's a very small percentage. And, and so the, the majority of, of athletes, um, you know, are going to be fall into that kind of more recreational category or that, especially as they get to adults, you know, they're just, they're, they're falling into adulthood and they're working and, and, you know, doing other things. And so sports are now a recreational or a, or a, a hobby, but, you know, hopefully the lessons that they learned, the youth carry carry over, and so that recreational side is really really important. But also, as you said, you know it's a challenge. And so, um, are there things that you guys are you're starting to do and starting to think about to try and try and reach that segment of the population that is looking for more recreational opportunities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of different initiatives uh, and, and ways of organizing it. Let's take the swimming federation for example. Uh, competitive swimming uh, is. Needs if you're going to do competitive swimming, first of all you're doing swimming a couple of times a day, every day. You have a lot of training just to, to be part of it, so to speak. So what the swimming federation has done, they've put together a kind of a youth concept where you do uh, swimming, diving, uh, water polo, and uh, what's the last Synchronized swimming, so to speak. I mean they've organized different activities which are more fun, more youth-driven. Uh, organized on a low scale and you can kind of do the activity you want to do as fun and, and learn new activities as well. Uh, we see cooperations between different sport clubs where you can try out different sports, uh, what you call uh, multiple sport uh, groups mm-hmm. I would say, uh, where you can try out different sports. Maybe you do uh, disc golf one day, you do a downhill skiing the other day, you do orienteering or uh, running or athletics the third day um, and you do have, uh, like uh, fitness center training as well so there's a lot of sport clubs that are trying to come up with concepts to keep youth uh, in the activity but I think an important part of it as well and what's probably a bit underrated when we look at how many is quitting the activities that we Work really hard to keep youth as as coaches, as leaders, as volunteers as well, mm-hmm. and try to keep them within the organization. Uh, and if they don't necessarily participate in competitions, uh, they will probably still be active in the sport club.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah, keep them in the pipeline and keep them involved and keep yeah. them engaged. Yeah, that makes a. I mean, their future
1: volunteers, the future leaders, the future parents of children coming afterwards. Right. so being a building an alliance with uh, with parents in the area of the sport club is, is really important
0: right yeah and we and we know and we know that kids who kids who play sports who then become parents are, are more likely to have their kids play sports um, yeah. it, it, and so I, a couple of things one thing that I, I'm really interested to learn a little bit about is um, because it, it, to me it seems very obvious it seems very um, common sense uh, to put the needs of the kids first um, but we know, I think through research, we know that, you know, if there's three, I mean, there's many reasons why kids play, but three really big ones and we've touched on them already, but you know, they, they want to have fun. They want to be with their friends. So if, if Mads is playing soccer and and we're buddies, I want to play because my buddy's playing soccer and, and, um, but they also want to see like incremental improvement. They want to see that improvement, um, you know, over, over time, um, and, and I think, you know, that's the foundation that, that coaches and organizations and, and parents, we need to, to safeguard those those things, the the fun and being with friends and, and showing improvement. Um, and
1: I think that, that last part is, is so important, just to, to quickly go in into, into that, because I think we uh, sometimes underestimate those that we think they don't want to compete or they don't want to be high-level athletes. And then we think, well, they can just organize themselves. So they don't need a coach or they don't need... But the motivation lies within trying new things and becoming better. is an important motivation for everybody, right. no matter what level you're at. Even at the recreational level, you you want to get more fit, or you want to do a longer running distance, or do your running track a bit quicker than the last time. You always want to improve. And that's a high motivation of trying to keep them in activity.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I coach, I coach myself, and and uh, you know, I coach a lot of soccer here in the U.S. and and you know, seeing a, a young athlete um, improve on a skill, even if it's a small skill, whether it's, you know, using their left foot, you know, and, and they, oh, I, you know, I, I couldn't do this ball skill, uh, but then seeing them progress and be able to improve on that skill, like you can see the excitement and the enjoyment that, that they, they, the, the kids have when they are able to, to see that improvement, even if it's small or if it's a, a large improvement over time. Um, it's a really important thing. Um, and it's motivational, right? I I keep improving. I want to keep doing it. Um, but so so how do you ensure that the, the, the different organizations that, that uh, adhere to this policy and the coaches and, uh, parents and all that, you know, how do you ensure that they are putting the needs of the child first? Because you talked, you touched on it, but it's, it's a, Parental engagement and involvement in in their kids' lives, you know, is it's a big factor in in youth sports. And so, how do you make sure that in Norway, kids are put first and they have a a ownership over their own athletic experience? Uh,
1: That that brings us onto kind of the strategic way uh, Mm of looking at it, and and for us as an umbrella organization, we receive government funding. Uh, according to the vision of Sport for All, which means uh, we have to put policies and we also have to put uh, how we divide money out of the organization in a way that uh, um, uh, it uh, promotes this kind of thinking and it also, uh, what would you say, if you get a, not a prize, but you get, a, um, I'm looking for a word, uh, well, there, there are incentives that makes you want to organize your sport in this way. Okay. So uh, every year, we're, we're just going into it right now, we have an hour-long meeting with uh, with every single federation, where we sit down with the federation and we look at how do you organize children in youth sport, para-sports and inclusion. Uh, they do an evaluation of themselves first, we have a meeting where we give them different grades on how they work, and they get money according to how well they work with this and this proves to be a very uh, healthy but also uh, motivational uh, way of of getting them to work with different subjects and then we use the rest of the year to to help them how do you do this how do you organize this how can you reorganize your competition activities uh, for example we had a sit down with the dancing federation they were organized in a way that when couples dance together in adult sports, you send out one and one couple. The, the, the judges sit on the side and see, okay, and then you, at the, at one point you sit down uh, or you end up with winners, mm-hmm. uh, which gets the dance longest and uh, right. <laughs> uh, be be very visible. That's the way we organize dance ballroom dancing among adults. And if you put that on kids, what kind of effect does that give? It gives the fact that, uh, well, the couple that went out first knows that everybody else is better than them. Mm. They don't get any feedback on, on how they did themselves, they just know that everybody else is better. So it's according to who else is dancing, uh, how well you do in the competition. The best couple gets more attention, they get more dancing, more experience, because they stay on the floor. So the dance, we said, this, is not, this can't be a fruitful way of, of enhancing children competitions. So they reorganized it and said, all couples dance. The referees are now going to give individual feedback to each couple and mm-hmm. say, how do they do on all the different criterias? Rhythm, dance, uh, the music understanding, uh, the cooperation between those two. And they only get the individual feedback and their coach. So it's not visible for anybody else. It's not a comparison to someone else who's maybe danced longer or come longer in their in their. Uh, experience, right. but I get individual feedback and something to improve for the next time. And that's a way of, of, of working directly with the federations. Then, of course, coaches' education. Mm-hmm. We have a collective framework, who's, uh, a framework is common for, for all uh, different sport federations in Norway, which says that as a minimum, you have to have this and this amount of hours. You have to talk about how children's sport is organized. Uh, you have to talk about the coaching role. So there's a lot of different both uh, e courses that they have to take, mm-hmm. and, and uh, some um, uh, well books or, or courses they have to. Every coach, no matter what sport you do, have to learn about the provisions and rights of children in sport, right. and related to how does this work in my sport. So that's kind of the, the strategic way. In addition to this, of course, you have to work with uh, the clubs directly. We have to have people out talking with the clubs. How do you organize children and youth sport here? You start selecting teams when they're eight, nine years old. Uh, what do you do when they become youth? How do you keep as many of them as poss- long as possible? So it's a continuous work because there's always new parents coming. Right. So it doesn't have to do it one year. You have right. to do it every year.
0: Right, right, right. And, and then there's some uniformity, though, among the sports and the coaches and the organizations yeah. because they, they're all following a, a similar philosophy. Um, yeah. And do, do the kids have input? You know, is there opportunities for the kids to say, like, this is the kind of experience I would like? Um, yeah. is, that, is that a part of the, the process as well?
1: Yeah, and that, that kind of brings us up to we haven't talked so much about the rights because the rights are something different than the provisions. The provisions are rules, while the, the rights of sport for the children is based on the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says something about mastery, it says something about friendship, it says something about how we should organize the activity so that the children are put in front. And, and one of the most important things of that is that they are supposed to have influence on their own activity, it doesn't mean that you leave the exercise for the children to do it, but maybe you let mm-hmm. them select one exercise. Maybe you, you, you start with the practice uh, in the beginning, you start with ask them what they want to do today. And at the end, you say, what was the most fun event today? What mm-hmm. should we do next time? So involve them in the activity and, and, and try to... Uh, we have to try and help them to, to get a, uh, ownership of their own activity. So that it's not just adult organized, we tell them what to do, right. uh, they do what we think is best, and we, what we think they think is most fun. Right. Uh, so, so involving children is a huge uh, important part, but also a very difficult part uh, of the children's rights.
0: Right, because, I, I mean, the, the reality then in that scenario is, is if you have 10 kids on your team, you know, 10 kids might have a different idea of what uh, what is fun and what is, uh, you know, what they would enjoy doing. And so that's a, a big role that the coach can be a part of, helping facilitate yeah. that, that experience. Um, so- and that,
1: and that, that's the most important part as a, as a children's coach. I mean, it's, it's how do you coach children, not mm-hmm. necessarily learning... How does uh, soccer work, or learning drills? But it's how do you work with a group of children that is never taking part of sports? How do you learn their names? Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you recognize everyone at, at uh, every single one at every uh, training drill. Make sure you ask them why they're not coming if they're not coming. I mean, just learning. How do you uh, organize children? is the most important thing we can give our coaches uh, at the low levels,
0: right? And and you know, so I coach like I coach myself, and so I I have a very sp- sp- certain philosophies that I believe in as a, as a coach, and and part of it is uh, aligns with that with that idea, giving the kids ownership over the the experience as, as much as possible, and and you know, some of that is getting to know the kids individually, getting to know how they how they respond to certain things, um, and and that takes time. It's not a uh, we started practice today and I automatically know how all the kids work and, and what's going on. Um, it's a, it's a process and that's why you have a season and that's why you have, you know, hopefully multiple seasons with, with, with kids that, to be able to kind of build, build on, on the experience and get to know kind of what is most important for the kids to be, get that feedback from the kids so that you can help implement, uh, you know, the things that they're looking to, to get out of it. Um, and so, so what other rights uh, are involved in, in you know, a, a youth participating in sports in Norway? What are the other things that, um, you know, they are engaged in?
1: Uh, are we not talking youth or children? Uh, just uh, we are dividing it. You
0: know what? That's a good, you know, actually that, that might have been a good thing to, di- to make a, dis- uh, to distinguish yeah. earlier because I think maybe what I consider to be youth or child is probably very, is different than what, the, what you might consider to be yeah. youth and child. Um, it,
1: children in, in our context is below the age of, up to the age of 12 and from 13 to 19 uh, or yeah. When you become a teenager, you're a
0: youth. you gotcha, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, so we have kind of a difference uh, if, we're, if you're asking about the children's rights or asking about the youth uh, policies.
0: I'd love to know, I'd love to know both and especially yeah. if there's a difference, you know, what is the, what is the difference once they hit 13 yeah. and...
1: Exactly. So let's start with, uh, with the children's rights. Uh, the children's rights is, is, as I said, concerned about how we provide a safe and good environment for the children to take part in sports with a focus on children being being children-centered. Uh, so the first one is safety and security. How do you organize the activity? How do you make sure that uh, those being coaches are not uh, earlier been uh, conducting or being convicted of something uh, that uh, is not, uh, uh, well, they shouldn't be co- uh, kids' coaches uh, to say this. Right. Friendship and well-being is another right. Which means uh, we should put together training groups that emphasizes on, on, on friends being together and not starting early talent identification mm-hmm. uh, based on children's needs. It would be, it means we should organize the, at their level of maturity and their level of physical and mental uh, development, making sure that everybody masters activities. You have to give different uh, challenges for different levels of, of kids if you. you're advanced, you 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 also need to get more advanced uh, challenges than you do if you're a beginner. Mm -hmm. How do we influence, uh, how do we make sure they can influence sport for example? Um, How do we make sure that they can still take part if they don't want to take part in competitions? Some kids don't want to compete, they're still fully members of, of, of the sport team and it's okay that they come to practice. And also something that's recently, or not recently, but the the last year has been very important is that we try to make sure that it's not your family's income that decides if you can take part in sport or not. Because we've seen that the costs connected to to participating in sports has increased. Uh, As long as someone has money to buy better equipment or go on further travels, this kind of develops a culture that makes, well, the, the price level for everybody to go up. Right. So that, that's that's around the, the children's uh, rights. When we come up to youth sport, we have less, uh, what I say rules or conventions that we can uh, directly say that this is breaching with the the rights or the uh, the guidelines of youth sport. Because we have guidelines for youth sport, but what they uh, specifically say something about is that we want everybody to take part in the activity and they should have a, a choice of their own. Do I participate in several sports or one sport? Do I participate to become an elite athlete or do I do recreational sports? So it's mm-hmm. uh, it kind of states that there should be place for everyone in the sport clubs. It shouldn't be sport clubs that are only for elite level or you could of course have that but then someone else, uh, some other clubs would, would take care of part of, of mass sport. Right. Um, the second part of it is that they should have a uh, high influence on how uh, the club sport club should organize youth sport which means they should uh, when you, we're talking now the age of 13 to 19 the, the team should uh, decide do we want to play in first division or second division do we want to go to these competitions or not do we want to train three times a week or five times a week right uh, and, and involving them in their own activity Uh, And the third part of youth sport is to involve them in several roles, as I said earlier, as coaches, as referees, as leaders, as volunteers, Mm -hmm. and trying to uh, keep them within the activity and and using those as as resources. So the youth uh, policy is a bit different uh, organized than than we have on children. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, so as as a young as a young child, you know, you're you're building, uh, you're creating an environment that is conducive and safe for, for to be able to participate, and it's creating an environment where it's it's fun, and they're building that foundation of joy and love for for playing, not just one, but hopefully multiple sports and just multiple different activities, and then as they get older, they have a little bit more choice and can can make a determination into. I, you know I want to play recreationally or I want to you know focus on on one sport or I want to focus on uh, you know an elite level and playing at a higher level and they have a little bit you know increased ownership on to the decisions that are made I mean that's a natural you know progression as as you develop I mean it's non sports related that's a similar type of trajectory you would have as a, a when you're growing up anyway you know the older you get the more more decisions and more choice that you can kind of have uh in the process of of your own experience um so that's great i mean that's that 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 makes a a lot of sense and um i I would say it it differs in 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 a lot of different ways um to our youth system here i mean i think we have a lot of similar tenants in that we want to also, of course, create a really positive environment. We want to create a safe space and we want, um, you know, access to, to, to be there for, for all kids. But we, you know, we face a lot of challenges in in access to, to be able to play. And, uh, you know, we face a lot of, you know, challenges of, um, you know, that system, our our system is really focused on competition and and the economics of it all. Um, So I would, I would ask you of, of, how how does access work in in Norway so like if i'm a child for example or you know once i get to be a youth you know what is can anyone access sports is it available for for everybody i know obviously the rate, participation rates are high but it you know what is the cost for someone to be able to participate what's the barriers to to entry if there's if there's any because we we have i think economics is a big part of our youth development system so what does that look like in In Norway?
1: It would be easy if I could generalize uh, but it's kind of of difficult as well uh, because there will always be some sports that uh, require higher costs for example connecting with the equipment. If you do alpine skiing or if you do horseback riding there will be different barriers than than in other sports of course because you need the equipment but at the same time we try to figure ways to go around it because you might uh, might borrow a horse, so to speak, or you might uh, get used equipment or reuse equipment within the sport club. And a lot of sport clubs are focusing on that to try and keep costs as low as possible. Right. But I would say that generally, I mean 90% of our sport clubs are voluntarily run. So the entry fee of getting into a sport club is relatively low mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. Uh, I would say that a membership fee in general probably is around50 dollars a year uh, to, to oh. join the, join a sport club.
0: And that gives me uh, access then, to course, everything that gives me like to access sports. to games and coaching and and
1: yes, I would say that, that that's the entry costs right. uh, uh, but then if you, if you just want to take sport and now we're talking youth sport of course and, and in children's sports it's of course cheaper mm-hmm. uh, to, to get in. Uh, because we don't have, uh, it, it's not until you become youth, you usually have paid coaches, for example. And uh, in many municipalities, it's free of charge for sport clubs to borrow facilities. Mm-hmm. Which means that they don't necessarily have a lot of costs, but immediately they start building a more professional uh, more way, way of organizing it. We want to take part in a competition that's far away. We want to go on training camps to Austria. Uh, we want to have paid coaches uh, right. immediately. Then the cost starts going up. Of course. So I think I think when you look at the youth sport, we had actually research done on this last year. Um, I'll, I'll check the numbers and and get back to you just to be to be sure. But I think that the average cost in total, with like equipment and everything, uh, we looked into seven seven different sports. I think it was around uh $300 a year. Uh in average. Right. And then of course you would have someone that costs uh, $2000 a year and someone that's uh, that's cheaper and maybe only costs uh, $100 a year, but I think the average when they looked into this research was around uh, $300 a year.
0: Well uh, you know, I mean, I know for you being in the system and being in, in Norway and experiencing that, that might feel different to, to you. But for me to hear those numbers of this is what it might cost and of course with variations for equipment and other things, but like to hear that for a youth to participate or a child to participate in sports is is that is the cost for them to participate. To me, that's a, a number that is much more manageable and, and one that doesn't it isn't always the case here. Um, and that's one of our big challenges is the, 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 the cost of entry and, and the way that our system is sometimes set up, um, can be prohibitively expensive for, for, for many families. And, uh, which means, you know, it becomes a, a, a burden on the family, on the parents, but also then on the kids. And, and, you know, it takes away from some of that enjoyment and some of that, that, that passion that, that comes from from playing because there's this financial aspect to, to sports. And so it sounds like you, you in Norway that that's a big consideration is cost and you know how to make sure but that it's
1: reduce those costs it's, right. it's very important. I would say very many sport clubs are great at, at uh, just doing this discreetly, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean they know what uh, which kids this, this accounts for. And, of course, in general, uh, we have, of course, low, low poverty in Norway. Where there's uh, around 10% of the children that grow up in families with uh, what you call it, long-term low income, mm-hmm. uh, which is relative to the income in general in the, in the country you're in. Uh, so uh, even though it's only 10%, uh, uh, which is high or low, depending on how you, how you look at it, a lot of the sport clubs are very good at organizing it in a way that they either just say it's okay, you don't have to pay the membership fee, just come and take part anyway. Uh, or they have a cooperation with the municipality or so to, to get in money, or it could be foundations or others that, that, that give money to the club uh, to kind of compensate for the, the lost income. But it's, it's, it's a huge part, and it is a huge part of, of our work because it is a problem. Right. Uh, so, so it's important for us to work systematically with it, but it's also important for us to work with, for example, the, the, the national federations on how they organize their competition structure. Should it be national, local, or regional? That, that depends on, on how high the costs will be. Uh, how many competitions should there be how do you organize the reuse of equipment mm-hmm. how do you organize uh, coaching education is it costly for the clubs or is it free for the clubs so there's so many factors that contribute to either high costs or low costs Right, and just being kind of aware of it is, is the most important part of it
0: right understanding that it's something that needs to be addressed yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and it sounds like there's a lot of cooperation <clears throat> amongst organizations and clubs and, and groups
1: yeah, there, there is. Uh, of course you would always want more, but, but um, it's something we try to emphasize and I think that's kind of the strength of, of being all sport in one organization and, and having kind of money dripping in the same way mm-hmm. to everybody. It's not a kind of a, a fight for fundraising or running around. It's, it's kind of a way of trying to streamline things and, and make it uh, more equal rather.
0: Right, right, and, and the the I have a couple of just quick quick questions yeah. to, to, to finish up. But, um, those um, those those youth that fall and those families that fall uh, under the, that ten percent category that you that you mentioned is have you found that access and participation um, within that group is is the same as um, as those that fall out of that category.
1: They're lower. Their yeah. participation is, you can you can easily see that the participation, especially if you look at not just financially, but socio-economic uh, factors, that the group, uh, the lowest group there are participating a less, lot less than, mm-hmm. uh, than others. And that's why it's so important for us to work with it. And some of it is, of course, uh, connected to that low uh, socioeconomic status goes uh, in heritage. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your parents are unemployed and have low education, it's very, uh, and maybe bad health as well, it's very common that the next generation will have that as well. So breaching that pattern is very important. And we see that sport has a very specific role in getting them into a sport club, might help them uh, breach that pattern, because they will they will uh, be part of a bigger network, uh they will uh they will uh, master something i mean they will learn something mm-hmm. that will kind of give them a belief in themselves and and their way forward so that's why of course it's important for us in the organization but also very important at government level right. that we do as much as possible to include uh, those that fall so,
0: so there uh, there's a the
1: cons-
0: right right and so so there is a concerted effort to to make sure that 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 sports are accessible for everybody and, and that there aren't those barriers to to join.
1: Very specific projects going directly out, uh, in addition to sport clubs trying to to handle it themselves as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great to that's great to hear. And I mean, I think that's um, you know obviously the 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 Norway is different than the U.S., but we you know we have a we have similar. Um, similar challenges of making sure that that sports are are um, equitable and, and accessible to to all, and it's something that that is you know should be on top of mind for for any country or any um, you know government to be to make sure that that all kids have access. Um, uh, and so, one thing that, that I think is really important to think about, and I don't know if you've done if you've thought about this or if you've done research on it. Um, have you found links between, you know, with positive uh, mental health um, within athletes in Norway, especially? And I say this because, you know, if 90 percent of children and then up, you know, to, to 65, 75 of, percent of youth are participating in sports, um, you know, that's a that's a good number. Um, have you found links with positive mental health and then in participation in Norway? Yeah.
1: I would again go to, to this cross-natural study uh, which is interviewing uh, a lot of uh, youth uh, in Norway and what they've looked into and, and of course when you start looking at these data you're thinking what comes first and what's the consequence of what but what they see is that youth participating in sport uh, are doing better in school they're more happy with their parents uh, they have less uh, 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 problems with mental health. Uh, they have better, of course, physical health. Mm-hmm. So all these factors that we know comes from being part of and uh, being physically active are clearly linked with those participating a lot in lots of sport. But then you can also ask: Is it, of course, because they're? Uh, are these the super youth uh, that's that's? Uh, I mean, would do well everywhere anyway. Right. Uh, but of course, when we see the high numbers of participation, we know that and uh, it's not just that uh, we know that it gives a, a very positive uh, positive uh, value for youth when they grow up uh, to their uh, their self-image to their health to their mental health uh, and we also see as I said a clear link to how well they do in school and how happy they are with the parents uh, yeah right so there's a lot of positive issues but'm I'm, I'm also uh, always a bit careful with linking it because what's the reason for what? And uh, as I said, uh, what comes first?
0: uh, Right. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to always know the the direct link. I think we, we can anecdotally see it and we can, we can see things, you know, as, as practitioners of, of sports, but um, you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it and a lot more that needs, that needs to be considered when we're talking about mental health and, and, Uh, In sports, and so so yeah, the link is not always uh, easy to to find and see. But I think you know on the on the surface we can we can tell that there there is some link there, and there is some some positive um, between between the two, and those that participate, um, as you said, you know might have more positive engagement in in family and in education and in the community and things like that. Um, But yeah, it's just interesting. I know it's something that I think, I think about a lot in my, my, my work and, um, you know, is, is sports and how that, that relates with, with positive mental health. And um, so just wanted to, to touch on that and see if that was, um, you know, something that you guys had found as well. Um, uh, Two more things. I think um, you talked about Paralympic sports and, and uh, adaptive sports and um, does the, the, the policies and the rights, is it? the same for for all for for all youth regardless of um whether it's uh, a youth with disabilities or or um or, or not um or is there are there some other considerations that that the the government are um taking into place for for youth with with disabilities or, or for adaptive sports yeah
1: uh, there's uh, uh... It used to be, we used to have a a own national federation which works for Paralympic sports. It's kind of the, what was it called, the Norwegian sports organization for the disabled. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2007, or it was a process that led up to 2007, all the different federations took responsibilities of uh, of people with disabilities within their sport. Mm -hmm. So when I started skiing, it was natural for me to go to the skiing federation because I was skiing. Not to a federation for disabled because mm-hmm. I was disabled. I needed a coach that knew how to ski, uh, not a, a person that could understand my disability. Right. Uh, so since then we've had them. The, uh, we've had the people with disabilities within the same organization, uh, and we're also having uh, funding going directly to the federations according to how they work with people with disabilities. Uh, so it's a kind of a streamlined function, but it doesn't mean that they're. In some sports, you're naturally integrated. Uh, in my club, I was the only one with a disability. In other clubs, you would have, for example, a group of, uh, of kids with intellectual disabilities uh, being in one group separated because that's more natural for them or they need more resources around the, around the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's different ways of organizing it, but it's def- definitely a part of our mainstream organization and the same provisions and rights and everything goes for that group as well
0: so yeah so there's it's a multi it's a it's a it's a kind of a based on the club and the situation- in the 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 youth and the you know the family all those different considerations come into play as to where um what the access is or what type of of um engagement happens for yeah great yeah and i it i think it's it's uh you know another thing again that we do in 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 our work is is um you know we do we talk a lot about adaptive sports and um you know how he, what we do here in the U.S. and so I think um, you know are, are there anything you know kind of related to, to adaptive sports or, or working with with youth with disabilities within the the sports system? Um, you know that is important to note uh, in Norway that might you know be good for for those here and, and those around the world to kind of learn from. I
1: think I think the most important part is to realize that a Paralympic athlete or an athlete with disabilities. Uh, Totally normal athlete. (laughs) Right.
0: right. I mean,
1: that's the biggest barrier when you're talking to coaches because they don't understand how to handle it, and I think it might be a lot of work, or it's going to be dangerous, or are they going to have that responsibility? So uh, we've integrated also this at the lowest level of coaching education. So we make sure that everybody knows that it's our responsibility as a sport club to also include people with disabilities if they want to take part. Right. and the most important thing you can do is to talk to that uh, kid or talk to their parents on what kind of uh, adaptions do we have to make right. to make sure that they get a good experience in, in the sport club uh, and then at the next level you start talking about competitions or camps or other things but the most important thing is that they can take part, be together with their friends in their own sport club in their local uh, community Right, And uh, kind of the basis of it all
0: right working with coaches to 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 make sure that yeah they're they're in everyone's make sure part of that the conversation
1: you you get a good welcome when you come there right. because i mean that's the most important thing is when you come there you don't feel like a burden but you feel welcome uh, that's the most important factor for them to to continue doing sports
0: right yeah that's great i mean that's great to that's great to hear i think that's uh, um you know really really wonderful to to make sure that all kids feel included and and uh are it's an inclusive process and in, of of playing sports and that's that's so great it's um, so helpful
1: for the other kids as well i mean to, absolutely to see that the different uh, and, and and also when you come come later in your life i mean understanding that people with disabilities can take part in the work as, as in the same way i mean they, they fall out of all different kinds of of uh, arenas uh, and, and just normalizing it uh, right. is a big part that's a, a role that the sport can play.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you for for that. Um, so, how? Last question. How how familiar are you with the kind of our the youth development system here in in the United States? Are you?
1: Not, not very but I've been following a few conferences uh, we had a, I've had a lot of chats with the, uh, different countries all around the world actually uh, there's a lot of curiosity in how we do it in Norway around yeah <laughs> uh, because people think it it, it sounds uh, too good to be true and usually it's people like you that kind of already knows the message and we know the research behind it. Uh, but also talking to <laughs> to countries that uh, they don't understand that uh, how can you not have result lists? How can you not? Uh, I mean, so I don't know it very well, but uh, I mean, briefly, I right. would say.
0: Well, because I wanted to ask, I think, you know, I, I think knowing the 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 cultural differences knowing the size differences and and just the 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 differences of all of the the countries all around the world and and um but we're all kind of working towards this idea that sports are really powerful and they're really important and kids should have uh no matter age should have access to be able to play and there and there's so many benefits to it and and so i think we all have that general understanding of like this is an important thing. Um, and the way we go about it might be, might be different and we might have different ways to, to, to reach, to reach kids. Um, but <clears throat> the reason why I ask is because I, I wanted to, to see and to, to kind of ask you is, um, cause I'm big on learning from, from each other. Um, what do you think we, when I say we, I, I'm, I'm thinking the U, the U.S. But um, but I think we as a collective global society. What do you think we can learn um, from Norway and from the 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 system and the, the the policies and the the programs that you've developed? What do you think that we can learn from from you all? Yeah, I think there's
1: well, I would say maybe three things. Uh, first of all, let kids be kids. Uh, organizing our sport must be always thinking about what's best for the child, right here, right now. Not uh, well, not harming it, but but making sure that uh, and they get as good ex- as experience, as good as base as possible for mm-hmm. being physically active the rest of their life, and being giving them kind of the opportunity to choose for themselves what they want to do, how much they want to do it. And and the way forward. So so, kind of giving the ball to the children. Let kids be kids. Uh, that's probably one of the of the main factors, which I think usually all countries can do, no matter what your culture is. Right. Uh, another part is what we see is that uh, kids like to compete. Parents like to compare. Mm. Make sure that the the kids' activity and the kids' competitions are there for the kids and not for the parents. In that way, look at is it needful with the result lists, with prices uh, that are differentiated, uh, how can we we organize that? Uh, And the third most, um, and probably most effective thing is that you have to kind of, I think you have to agree on top of an organization on how you're going to organize children in new sport. And and let that mainstream all the way down to the sport clubs. If you let everyone develop in the direction they want, uh, you will also get... 200 different solutions right so trying to to kind of facilitate good decisions on a lower level either if it's through money or if it's through policies might help you kind of organize it in the way you want but it has to be going from it it may it, it may occur, occur on on grassroots but i think the policy needs to come from top and, and also trickle down uh, to to make sure that everybody knows this is the way we organize sport here in our country.
0: Right, and then have that that, that communication, that that, uh, yeah. that collaboration within...
1: And I know that's the biggest difficulty in many countries because there are 10,000 different organizations. Some of them are funded on physical health, others are doing sport activities. next one is in school. The third one is a talent camp that you can buy into. Uh, so right. it's, it's a huge and massive... Uh, um, Challenge, but I would say that as like the main sports structure, that should be the responsibility of helping, uh, helping the rest of the sports.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 with you. I think that's one of the things. One of the things that we have to think about a lot here in the U.S. We have we have different organizations doing different things, and there's benefits to that. And then um, you know, but we also have so many different organizations, and we have uh, community programs, we have uh, school school teams, we have club teams, we have. You know, all of these traveling teams, we have recreational teams, we have all of these different elements, and they all do things a little bit differently. And they all do things, um, you know, they have different philosophies and different ideas. And there's, you know, there's benefits to that, um, of course, but there's also, you know, as you're saying, like there's, there's benefit to to having uh, kind of a uniform philosophy and policy of, of, of how we reach children and youth um, yeah. and so I think there I is a huge there.
1: belief also in, in using role models for mm, that right. use uh, elite athletes that has succeeded in this use it cynically uh, and, and show their way into it of course they have to have positive values and, and, be, and be available for you but using role models showing that hmm, this is the way that works is often much more effective than saying that all research tells us this right uh, right <laughs> Because they don't want to read research, and they think I know what's best for my kid, so I'll do it my way
0: anyway. Right? Yeah, role models are so important. I mean, we, we, we learned we learn we that uh, you know role models play a really large role and uh, and have a lot of influence in in uh, you know this the, the ecosystem of, of sports and, and youth development for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I I loved hearing more. I wish I would honestly wish we could could sit and in, in chat for 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 much longer. Um, but uh, I'm really appreciative of, of your time and um, you know getting to, to hear what you're doing and, and what, what's happening in Norway and getting to learn from, from kind of your methods and, and methodologies and um, I, I really um, am appreciative of, of a your time but also you know just the, the, the fact that, that um, the focus is on getting kids to to have access and be able to, to participate and play sports and giving them ownership over, over that experience. I think that's, that's really wonderful. And that, that, that freight, you know, letting kids be kids. I think that's so, so true and so powerful. So I just, uh, thank you for, for taking the time and for, for joining me. I, I really, I loved, loved the, the, the time and I I hope we can, can obviously continue the conversation, um, you know, in the future. Uh, thanks. I, I enjoyed it. It was
1: fun.